Hey, what's up, ComicAttack.net listeners? Welcome back to The Comics Dispatch, your weekly source for comic book news. Um, sorry we're a little late this week. Uh, our buddy Daniel here had familial obligations and was stuck in the boonies of Kentucky. Right, buddy? It, it was terrible. There were lots of corn, lots of rain, some swamps, some hillbillies. It was straight out of deliverance. Oh man, did you feel like uh, like Cal Al? Uh, I I think he had it a little bit better than I did. Yeah, you weren't like riding tractors or anything. No, no, I wasn't doing anything like that. I was more like uh, canoeing to the next town. Oh, did you see Swamp Thing? I did see Swamp Thing. Uh, more on that later. <laughs> did you show him your Man Thing? Uh, the Man Thing was presented, but not to Swamp Thing. Interesting, <laughs> interesting. Um, of course, my name is Andy, and uh, with us, of course, is Daniel. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk some comic book news. We've got a lot to cover. We're a little late, but that's okay. Uh, usually, new episodes will air every Tuesday up on the site. Um, you can uh, email us, Andy at comicattack.net, and Daniel at comicattack.net. Yeah, questions, suggestions, anything you want. Uh, this week, our special guest is our manga expert. She is straight from uh, Texas, Japan. Her name is Kristen Bamba, and she does all of our manga reviews on ComicAttack.net. And she is like a manga encyclopedia. Or is it manga? I don't know. I'm from the East Coast, so I have that nasal A, so I say manga. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm not but, sure on that one. Yeah, I think it's manga. But uh, regardless, Kristen's going to be on. She's going to talk uh, the closing of uh, Tokyo Pop and the Eisner Award nominees that are in the manga category. And actually, one of them is actually up for, I think, best ongoing series, 20th Century Boys. And since Daniel and I know jack crap about anything in that genre for the most part, Kristen's going to shed some light on it for us. So one other thing to point out before we get going. On the site, we have an ad where you can buy Thor movie tickets from Fandango. I hate to be a chump, but seriously, if, you have, if you're going to go see that movie, help us out. Buy your ticket through that ad because it helps out our site. Don't you love us? Don't you want to help us out? We're pro bono. We do it. It's a labor of love. That's how we roll. So, uh, <clears throat> Daniel, tell me your the favorite thing comic related that you purchased this past week. This past week, I'd have to say the uh, emotional issue of Deadpool. That's a joke, right? Yes, it is a joke. Um, okay. <laughs> I would have to say probably. Was Wolverine last I, week? I can't remember. Anything. It doesn't have to be like out last week. Just anything you purchased in the last week, whether it's a comic, a graphic novel, maybe a toy, a video game, anything comic related. Well, I, I bought Wolverine number eight, I think is what it was last week. I was a week behind on my books. And that book was amazing. I loved it. Yeah, it was amazing, right? By the way, we're going to be uh, touching on some Jason Aaron X-Men in a minute but I have some good news if you like that Wolverine book for you, as you probably know already as well. Um, so Wolverine number eight. Yeah, Wolverine number eight. For me, I kind of want a little eBay crazy. Um, basically, when my wife goes to sleep and I have insomnia, I just kind of browse eBay and I had my tax return, and I found Toy Biz X-Men figures for really cheap from the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> too much, too much. I know, way too much. 
But hey, I have like every single one now, which is awesome in the box. You, you have to have a full collection, I guess. I know. I kind of went nuts. Like I was like, oh, I'm just gonna get the ones I like, like Forge, you know, specific costumes of Wolverine. I always wanted Rogue. And then I'm like, oh shit, they're all like 99 cents. And if you get them from the same guy, it's like he combined shipping. It comes out to like three bucks a figure, and you're like, holy shit, how can I not get these? Speaking of Forge, where has he been lately? He was last seen in uh, Warren Ellis's first Astonishing X-Men run. That Ghost Boxes story, he kind of went nuts to try and figure out a cure to M-Day. He's like floating in his own ship. It's weird. He went nuts. I don't know. I don't get it. Uh, Bishop fucked him up, too. Yeah, I remember Bishop fucking him up in Messiah War. Yeah. But that that's the last place I remember seeing him. Yeah, no, he was in that Astonishing X-Men storyline. You didn't read that? I don't think I saw Ghost it. Ghost I, I thought that was before Messiah War. No, that was that was after Messiah, Messiah War. Huh. And besides, that wasn't that in Messiah Complex when Forge fucked him up? Bishop fucked up Forge, I mean? I thought it was in Messiah War, and then he teams up with Apocalypse. Forge teams up no, with Apocalypse? No, Bishop fucks... Uh, teams up with Apocalypse. <laughs> Who does Bishop fuck? He, he's fucking somebody. Who knows? <laughs> Trying to get that little baby, little pedophile. That's weird. Um, <laughs> all right, tell me, tell me something good and something bad that happened to you last week. Start with something good. What was something good that happened? Uh, I got to see all my friends and family. I, was, I, I don't usually see them. I see them once a year or so. So that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Is once a year enough? Yeah, once a year is enough. At least if I have to go out there. That's the bad. I have, I had to go out to Kentucky. Isn't it hard to get your family to come out to Los Angeles? It's difficult, but I know that everybody's struggling around right now. So can't really say anything. Yeah, I mean, my family's from the East Coast. Dude, they were in from town visiting this past week. It was the first time they've come out here in two years. It's like, seriously? <laughs> Oh, okay. Something bad. What was something bad that happened? To you? I, I was. You can't say going oh. home. <laughs> but that was bad. I don't know. Today I got a cut in my eye. That was pretty bad. It hurt like hell for a while. How did you get a cut? In I your don't eye? know. I was cleaning up the store because everybody made a mess while I was gone, and there was dust everywhere. And I went to clean it up, and dust flew in my eye, and it cut part of my eye. Damn those skin flakes, those dead skin cells, man. It's just ah, so terrible. Well, I've, I've got something bad. Something bad that happened to me this week. Uh, I, I, I shit you not. I spent 30 minutes in the fucking post office convincing the postal employee that I was who I said I was. Uh, she didn't believe me because on my ID, my name is Andrew Legal. And on the boxes, they were addressed to Andy Legal. And I shit you not, she refused to believe that I was who I, says I said I was. Because Legal is such a common name that somebody... Obviously, no. would be named Andy as well. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. She she did not understand that Andy was short for Andrew. And, of course, being in L.A., nobody's going to stick up for me. Like, nobody gave a shit. Everyone just minded their own business, including the postal employee right next to her. And I was like, dude, can you please explain this to her? She was just foreign. Um, you know, whatever. But, yeah, that was very frustrating. <laughs> That's the thing that makes you go into a postal rage. And you know what I, you know what I was there to pick up? My X-Men figures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but something good, my, my good thing, uh, I did read, since we're recording this late, today being Wednesday, new books came out, I did read uh, X-Men Prelude to Schism, 
and schism made me jism. Well, that's impressive. I guess it's good. It's good. I, I thought it was really, really good. And speaking of that, let us segue into talking about the schism prelude. Um, since I read it, I'm kind of biased now reporting this news. But Daniel, you haven't read it yet. I have not. But essentially, yeah. But essentially, it's being described as uh, this this four issue miniseries. Uh, it's written by Paul Jenkins with art by uh, Roberto De La Torre, who's fucking amazing on this issue. I thought he nailed it. But this the series is being compared as uh, in, what Endangered Species was to Messiah Complex. It's like a prequel, like which I don't. Which the lead what? in. Yeah, but I don't know if that's fair after reading this first issue because Endangered Species. In hindsight, it's good, but when it came out, I thought it sucked. I thought it was really good at establishing Dark Beast as a villain. Yeah, I don't <laughs> disagree. Um, but I wish you read it so we could talk about it. But, I mean, in this issue, you don't know what the hell is going on. But it's just a great reflection on Cyclops and Professor X, which we haven't seen in a while. Last time they were together, they were at each other's throats. And in this, it's a little different. Um so yeah, but I mean, what's cool too is X editor, 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 yeah, editor. Drinking a few beers. Yeah, whatever. Editor, uh, Nick Lowe. He hinted that Jason Aaron, uh, and this is where I was talking about Wolverine earlier. Jason Aaron is possibly getting an X team book when Schism is done. Uh, Jason Aaron is not writing this Schism prelude, but he is going to be writing the Schism event. Um, so that's exciting because basically that Wolverine storyline right now is an X team book, right? It is. It's amazing. So tell me what you like about uh, it. He seems to have a real good grasp on Wolverine, which is great because if you don't do Wolverine, it comes off really bad. Uh, and the team members that he's brought in, I guess they're not really team members, but more like uh, guest appearances. He has a great grasp on uh, Cyclops. Like you get that feel like he knows what he's doing with him. Uh, and he held the, his own with all the different personalities, with uh, Emma, Storm, Namor, everybody. Yeah, and you mentioned Cyclops, and it's like that's important because Schism's about the yeah. two of them, right? I, I'm just wondering if Jason Aaron does get his own team, who would he end up having on that team? I hope he has Jubilee. Like, I really, really want to see Jubilee back with Wolverine, especially after that miniseries. Like, would it be like Wolverine and this band of merry women or something? I'd be okay I mean, with that. Look at all the girls that he's always helped out. and I mean, in this Wolverine story, half of them are even there. The only problem with that is a lot of those those characters are prominent characters in yeah. other X-Books. Like Emma, obviously uh, Kitty right now, and Uncanny. X-23. She has her own book. X-23. Yeah. But, um, dude, so you're looking forward to this, obviously. I know you didn't read it yet. I did. Seriously, I highly recommend it. Any X-Fan should really read this. Jason I, Aaron's amazing. I, thought the, I, I, I think it. Yeah, and he's not, but, he, but he's not writing he's, the prelude. No. But, but the prelude was really, really good, and it's setting things up very, very well. Um, did you get a chance, dude, to thumb through the new Yes, previews? I did. Um, are X-Men fans going to jizz them? I jizz them twice. And that was before Dude. I turned the page. Oh. <laughs> but there's so much stuff in there for X-Men fans. Most notably for me that I'm really pumped about is the um, Jim Lee, Chris Claremont omnibuses that they're doing now. Holy fuck. They're reprinting the entire Claremont Jim Lee run in oversized omnibus. And it's fucking cool. 
Yeah, that that right? looks amazing. The X Men Legacy two fifty two looks awesome. Which I, after Age of X, I really got behind Legacy. Yeah, Mike Carey did a good job. Speaking of his Chris Yost, uh, his cousin is a customer at our store now. Awesome. Yeah, totally awesome. So we're gonna have to make yeah, something definitely. happen with that. Um. But yeah, the Executioner's Song, they're going to do an oversized hardcover of Executioner's Song. Fucking finally, that's my favorite, all-time favorite X-Men story. And what's great about Executioner's Song is that the stuff that goes down in that book is totally relevant to uh, what's going on now. Like, ties with um, Messiah War. Uh, like, shit, everything else is slipping my mind right now. Oh, Cable versus Bishop. Like, that's Executioner's Song. I love that book. Anything else in there you uh, want to bring up? How about Wolverine, The Best There Is? Did you see that one? Yeah, it, it, it's more, again, it looks more like yeah, an X-Men book, finally. Right? I mean, the first few issues, it was really iffy. Oh, yeah. I mean, it still kind of is. That first storyline's pretty rough. Uncanny X-Force number 12. Uh, Just Phantom tell X us. making out with Psylocke. Big Uh-oh. trouble. There's some mind control <laughs> going on there. So there's a lot of X stuff going on. That uh, it looks phenomenal. I'm glad that they got this direction going. Was it was it in this previews or was it the month before with the Jason Aaron Wolverine? Uh, it was this previews. I can't find it. I'm trying to thumb through what uh, page 77. is Seventy-seven. Wolverine by Jason Aaron. Omnibus Volume One. Ah, uh, I was in the X. Yes. And it's a bunch of random shit, too. Like, I didn't even know he did a lot of this stuff. Like, from 2003? Yeah, what? I, I was surprised. I was like, wow. So, yeah, a lot of cool X-Men shit going on. Um, highly recommend it. So, staying in the Marvel, Marvel genre, uh, Danny, you want to introduce this one? Brian Michael Bendis is getting ready to write an MMO. Apparently, it's been in the works for a year. Uh, it's also under the same company that has done their uh, Superhero Squad MMO. Uh, not much is known on it just yet, but Brian Michael Bendis writing the storyline for an MMO, I think it might be at least decent. Yeah, it's it's obviously it's Marvel, and it's through Gazillion Entertainment. What a fucking name. That's awesome. That's <laughs> a great company name. Make the gazillions. Um, yeah. Um, what, what's cool, though, is uh, it's going to be free. And you're actually going to play as Marvel characters. And they hinted that the cast list is going to be fucking huge. Uh, they've already announced you can play as Cap, Thor, Iron Man, Spider-Man, Nova, and Squirrel Girl. I mean, if Squirrel Girl is a character, you have to assume that most of the other characters are going to be there, right? Otherwise, you're going to be like, why the hell <laughs> is Squirrel Girl here? But not, you know, I don't know, Rogue. Well, I think it was just kind of a uh, announcing that he has all the bases covered. Mm-hmm. And it's free. Yeah. Uh, right? I'm sure it'll have like some sort of pay option in there, too, to unlock other things. It's fine. That's how they make their money. Um, it's only going to be for the PC, uh, though, right? Yeah. And At first, although he yeah. uh, said that it may be in, released on like maybe a 360 PS. Hopefully not the PS3, given their uh, shitty circumstances as of lately. Take your credit card info, bitch. That's what you get. That's what you get. 
Um, now, they also said it won't be Disney-fied. I don't know why they even had to come out and say that, because anyone who reads Punisher Max or basically re- really any main Marvel book... I mean, Marvel has not gone Disney. I'm sorry. I know that was a major concern when when that purchase went down a little over a year ago, but I don't know. I think Marvel's done a good job of not, you know, conforming to that, that worry. Even their right? movies have been more than what you would expect, and... Disney's kind of staying hands mm-hmm. off. I think they've recognized that the times have changed and they're allowing more darker storylines and everything. Yeah, I mean, uh, good for them on that. And, you know, and here's the whole thing, too. It's like people are like, oh, Disney, oh, it's going to be Donald Duck appearing in Marvel. There's already fucking Howard the Duck, number one. And number two, they already have a whole kids line anyway, so there's no reason for it. Why would they do that? Who knows? So glad they're not doing it for the MMO. But you gotta love it. Like <laughs> I love how DC Universe Online is out for what, like five, six months? It's so obvious Marvel was using them as their beta. And you know, <laughs> that's not a bad thing because the DCU online game is not that bad. I've yeah, played it. Yeah, you I even got it? a it's pretty much what you'd expect from a standard action game is it worth the money to play probably not but it is a whole lot of fun if you just sign it after you get the game you get that free month and just play it for then just see how you like it maybe you get hooked maybe you don't okay wait why isn't why is it not only 30 levels uh some of the storylines are only 30 levels that's uh, not a lot nowadays. Just starting out, go fifty to sixty levels. But oh, uh, okay, I mean only thirty levels, and a lot of the storylines are repeating. But reasons to play it is, how awesome would it be to have your own created hero kicking Sinestro's ass all over the place, or uh, just running around Gotham, exploring the town? Because now you have it in a three D world that's open, and you can see everything you want to see. That's cool. I mean, honestly, I've played City of Heroes. That may be the only MMO I played. I was addicted to it. I loved it. But eventually, like, I hit a point where I was leveling so slowly, I just wanted to claw my face off. And as far as, like, video games, my most recent system that I own is a first-gen Xbox, and I just got that, like, a year ago. And before that is my N64. So I'm a little behind the times. So 30 levels seems like a shit ton. Because I'm used to playing, like, you know, I don't know, fucking Mario. It's got, like... Well, that has worlds. a lot of levels, I guess. Eight worlds. But with a lot of little mini levels inside yeah. of those eight worlds. But yeah. So what do you say? Are you going to play this Marvel MMO? I'll at least look at it. Oh, yeah. And also, something worth mentioning, too, is it's going to go through all of the major Marvel events starting from the 60s all the way through today. So you're going to play, like, Secret Wars, um, fucking Civil War, obviously Secret Invasion, I assume Siege, um, Dark Reign, all that stuff. It's going to pass through all the major Marvel storylines. I mean, and the fact that it's written by Bendis, who's essentially, what, the he, godfather he of Marvel, Marvel now? to the mainstream, like, making it more modernized. And it seems like, you know, I mean, Bendis is the man. Uh, can you name a book right now that no. Bendis is writing that you don't uh, like? Secret Invasion is on the fence. That, that was right? a rough storyline to highs and get into, though. Like we we we've all seen what the scrolls can do. Now you expect us to know that they're 
hiding so secretly that Captain Marvel, who's a who's a Cree, is now a scroll. Come on now. Ab- Dan Abnett and Andy Andy Lanning uh, recently talked on their Flashpoint series, uh, and it's all about the Wonder Woman and the Furies. Uh, the mighty Amazons hit London, and Lois Lane hits back this June. Um, it's going to show the Amazon Amazonian side of Flashpoints. Uh, what is it called? What was the title called? The Wonder, uh, Wonder Woman, Woman and the Furies. I thought. Wonder Woman and the Furies. Okay, yeah. And then the Lois Lane series will be Lois Lane and the Resistance. Um, the Wonder Woman and the Furies series is going to show the Amazonian side of Flashpoints. Uh, art is by Scott Clark and David Beatty. David Beatty. But it's written by Abnett and Lanning. And then Lois Lane and the Resistance will be a three-issue mini with art by Eddie Nunez. Um, all right. Initial thoughts on no. this. Fire away. I'm not a fan of Flashpoint. The more and more I hear about it, the less and less interested I am. Really? See, I'm the exact opposite. The more and more I hear about it, the more interested I am because to me it kind of sounds like an Age of Apocalypse Marvel. I don't need to have all these extra tie-ins to something that doesn't even exist. But isn't it kind of cool that they're going to be creating like alternate universe characters to incorporate into the main DCU again? I mean, the Lois Lane one sounds pretty cool. Yeah, because she's like a yeah, like a private eye. What is she like a private eye kind of thing? Luth or whatever you want to call it. But really, I don't need to see Wonder Woman hanging out with Wonder Girl and Hawk Woman or Hawk Girl or whoever the hell this is, destroying London. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I Adnit and Landing Landing have destroyed London in the past, and it's been pretty epic. But I don't care. Uh, if I remember Wait, right, they, they had that? their own little series, and it ended up like the destroyed London. Yeah, you know, I gotta say one thing about Dan Abnett. I, I met him at Comic Con last year. Fucking awesome dude, amazingly nice guy. Holy shit, he was the nicest guy. And what he's done with Marvel Cosmic, I mean, make no doubt about it. It's been really, really solid. From you know what he's done, Guardian, Guardians of the Galaxy, Nova. Um, War of Kings, Realm of Kings, Thanos Imperative, Annihilators kind of sucks. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, honestly, I, I feel like these guys are really, really stretched. Like, stretched really, really thin. Uh, I, I interviewed Dan Abnett on the site. You can search it on comicattack.net. Just type in Dan Abnett and interview, and it should pop up. Uh, and I asked him, I was like, dude, is there anything you haven't written? And he was just like Sesame Street and fucking clown stories or something. I don't know. But the guy, I mean, he writes how many Warhammer books? He's writing Marvel Cosmic. He wrote Iron Man Thor. He's writing this. Like the dude, the dude, the guys do everything. And I, I just feel like recently they've hit a little skid. I don't know. Uh, Abnett and Lanning, the, the duo, that, that duo was synonymous with awesome. Like must read. And... It, now, I don't want to say it's bad. It's not bad. It's just, it feels like they're, they're at the point where they're like, oh, fuck. We've got a lot to yeah. do. We've got to get I mean, it done. It's not a knock on you the know? work at all. So, so they turned out some amazing stories. I, I love the War of Kings and everything. But uh, I just, like I said, if this is an alternate reality, I don't really care why she's destroying London. I don't care why she's fighting Aquaman. I don't care that Lois Lane is in London for some odd reason 
wanting to stop her. Yeah, I feel like here, here's the thing with Flashpoint. I feel like it DC blew it on the marketing angle by uh, not really being clear on what the fuck it's about, number one. And before telling us what the fuck it's about, they told us there's going to be 30,000 fucking tie-ins. That was the first thing they announced. The first thing they said, here are the 18 Flashpoint tie-ins or whatever it is. It's at least 13. Um, yeah, there's going to be this many Flashpoint tie-ins. It's the first thing they announced before they were saying this is what the, the event is. You know what I mean? And immediately fans are like, holy shit, this event is 13 tie-ins? What the fuck? Are you kidding me? 13 three-issue miniseries? I mean, do the math. It's a shit ton of money. So already it's turning people off from that angle. Um, I don't know. I, see, but like I said, you said the more you hear about Flashpoint, the less you like it. The more I hear about it, the more I, I'm open to the idea. Uh, just because I, I like the concept of introducing new angles to these characters that are kind of dry. Like, obviously, Wonder Woman needs a little reboot. Lois Lane, okay, she's kind of like the Mary Jane of DC. I don't know. Superman sucks right now. I mean, DC, take away Green Lantern Green and Batman, what bad. does DC have? Okay, yeah, you're right. Green Arrow, Teen Titans is okay. Um, but, I mean, if you look at Marvel, like, if, if, I, if I were to say, take away the X-Men from Marvel, what do you still have? Well, you still have a fucking amazing Avengers run. You have the Ultimate line. Um, you've got a great Spider-Man run going on, that on right week. now. But if you take... Yeah, big news. Big news. Yeah? Yes. Oh, oh yeah, Jonathan Hickman. Wink, wink. Anyway, um, but yeah, I mean, I just think DC's... Jeff Johns saved DC with Green Lantern, and now I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, okay, so sticking with DC. <laughs> Let's talk about Brightest Day, my friend. Hey. Brightest Day has wrapped up. It is now over. 24 issues. Oh, but is it over? Later, is we it have over concluded indeed. Brightest Day. <laughs> Speaking of Jeff Johns. <laughs> uh, Go ahead, Day Daniel. Ends Give me your spiel. Number 24. We see the revivication, I guess, of Swamp Thing. Um, yeah, a lot of build-up just to find out Swamp Thing's coming back. Kind of a letdown. Uh, I, I would honestly say, yeah. since three of the Brightest Day titles wrapped up, JLI, or whatever you want to call it, Justice League, Generation Lost, was probably the best thing to come out of this. Yes, Agreed. I didn't give a fuck about any of those characters. And I, I, I honestly say, have to say that they pulled off an uh, amazing transition of Booster the goof-off into Booster, hey, he can kick some ass with the best of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Agreed. Uh, okay, Green what about Arrow the other one? wrapped up. JT's doing amazing work with that. Yeah, I, I just want to see what JT could do. I, I, here's how I feel about JT's Green Arrow run. I love the Galahad character. At first, I didn't like him. Now I love him. Great idea. Um, I just want to see what he can do without being uh, handcuffed to Brightest Day. He, literally, his book was the only book that, through all of its issues, has been yeah. tied to Brightest Day besides Generation I mean, Lost, right? Yeah. 
I mean, all the other ones like had an issue or two, and then they just kind of lost the banner. But Green Arrow's had it the whole time because of that fucking forest, and which is cool. I love it. Don't get me wrong, but I want. I know JT's got more in there, and I know he doesn't mind doing it because you know he talks about it in the store all the time, and it's great, and he's done a good job. But I, I really just want to see JT like cut loose with it. Yeah, with his it, it own seems like Green he's Arrow book, going more t- towards the side of the hero after Cry for Justice or whatever it was. So I'm, I'm glad to see that they're changing the character mm-hmm. back to his roots. All right, so Fire Word on Brightest Day, my friend. Not as good as Blackest Night. See, uh, I don't think either were phenomenal. I enjoyed both. Uh, but I'm looking forward to what's come out of Brightest Day. But we'll see what happens. I, I reserve judgment at this point. I, I have, besides the early Green Lantern run, I have yet to be really wowed by Jeff Johns. I like him. I like his stuff. But I have yet to be wowed. Leave it at that. All right, so sticking with DC, my friend, let's talk about Action Comics number 900, the first ever ongoing comic to reach 900. Did, did this story um, not have anything in it that wasn't amazing? Uh, I mean, this got you pumped up for a Superman story. Yeah, it was good. The uh, Reign of, of Doomsday, Doomsday has been all okay the so stories far. afterwards, uh, right? the whole, hey, you know what? If you guys are going to give me shit for doing what I do, screw you guys. I denounce my citizenship. I'm a citizen of the Earth. Just like Captain America, technically he's the head of S.H.I.E.L.D., Steve Rogers. You know what? Every time else I've seen it with Nick Fury, he's not just protecting the U.S., he's protecting the world. That's what it comes down to. These are superheroes. That's what they're supposed to do. If there was a real superhero out there, I would expect them to do the same. Yeah, especially right now. What's funny is how many creators have, well, I don't know how about how many, but certain creators have been like, oh, this is terrible. I, I, I knew the creators of Superman and they would be so offended. Yeah, well, you know, what are you going to do? Who knows? Yeah. I, I'm glad we to see him in 1935. go on to focus on the world, uh, not just focusing on the U.S. Maybe he'll stop walking around. Yeah, and we're talking about the the backups. It's not even a backup story. It's just one of the short stories in Action Comics 900, which was not even the main story of the book. The main story of the book was the Reign of Doomsday tie-in, um, which was more than half the issue. Yeah. This was just a little, like, what, seven-page story by, who was it, David S. Goyer was the writer. Larry, did you, by the way, Larry Hamm is one of the creators that was really pissed off about it. Um, he Facebooked about it. And hey, whatever you know, I I know Larry Hama is all American. Good for him. I mean, GI Joe stuff and everything. Let's do our quick hits, my friend. All right. So, Dark Horse Comics has launched their digital uh, their digital app. The demand was so huge that it crashed servers for the first few hours, which is crazy. Um, what you can get on the Dark Horse app or the Dark Horse sorry, it's not just an app, but it's digital comics is you can get uh, mass effect hellboy bprd even manga like lone wolf and cub um you can even archive issues so it doesn't sap your phone's memory so you can have just a whole bunch of stuff downloaded and just keep it there um i have nothing but good things to say to dark horse um working with the press they are so awesome they're one of the few companies that actually always respond to my emails 
no matter who I email. Um, they send out PDF copies for us to review. They give us comp copies to review. They're just really good people. They, they treat people right. And honestly, I think they put out a great product. Obviously, a lot of it, too, is a niche market, which, um, you know, that's fine. But uh, if you want a Dark Horse book to try out, email me. Uh, tell me what your tastes are, and I can give you a really good recommendation. Transformers Bam. Classic is coming back after a 17-year hiatus. It will be picking up from issue number 80 going into 81. Not really sure what's going on with it. <laughs> I guess uh, Transformers. Robots change from cars hopefully, to fucking uh, robots Shia and guns. Hopefully is not in it. <laughs> Who knows? Who honestly knows? Shia I'm LeBeau. hoping that he like kicks some GoBot ass or something. I, I have no idea. I, I was nine years old when this comic stopped, so um, don't really remember much of those years. It was good times. This is the year of the baseball strike. Chargers and the 49ers were in the Super Bowl. Um, at that age, I, I still it, it didn't is give what a it shit is. about Transformers. I, they got a cool logo. I still don't now. They got a cool logo. I liked Lindsay Lohan has a comic book, a bio comic book coming out from Blue Water Productions. It's called, quote, Infamous Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> and it's due out in September 2011. Uh, I guess this is cool. It marks the American debut of one of Japan's leading manga artists, Mimei Sakamoto. Sorry if I butchered that. Um, who illustrates the 32-page issue. Uh, Blue Waters publisher Darren G. Davis said, quote, If Lowen contacted us right now and wanted us to donate some of the potential profits to a charity of her choosing, we would happily do so. End quote. Wow. Way to just fucking have a... Um, fucking, no respect. Just calling it shit to begin with. Potential profits. <laughs> Well, he's got like a fucking, he could just back out of it. He could just be like, hey, hey, no, no, no. We're not doing this to insult you, Lindsay. Because, you know, if you want, we'll donate, we'll donate a portion of the profits to a charity. And automatically you think, oh, they're so nice. Because then if Lindsay's like, oh, fuck these guys, they're assholes making me look like I a bitch. I guess it's free PR for like, no, her. no, we'll donate money to charity. You know what I mean? Come on. Well, I don't know. But the, here's the thing. If you look at the cover of the comic, she's in a <laughs> so fucking low. orange gel <laughs> jacket. Funny. It's kind of shitty. It's definitely a low blow. And I, I got to tell you, I got to admit, um, I I kind of had a crush on Lizzie Lohan. I don't anymore, really. But um, I did at one point. I have a cardboard cutout of her. Did you? I was I was at Tops, which if you're not from the East Coast, you probably don't know what the fuck that is. It's a grocery store. It's like a Vons or a Pavilions. Pick your grocery store, right? And it was when Mean Girls came out on DVD. And they had a stand there. This was like what, like, I don't know, circa 2003, 2002. I was like 18, 19, 20, somewhere in there. And on the display, they had Lindsay Lohan, like this life-size cardboard cutout of Lindsay Lohan for Mean Girls. And I just walked up to them and I was like, hey, can I, uh, can I get that Lindsay Lohan cardboard cutout? And the guy was like, yeah, you want it? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, go ahead, take it. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah. So I have a, a life-size cardboard cutout of Lindsay Lohan. It's not at my house Smallville, the complete series, is going to be in a box collection running 192 hours or 8 days and for a low, low cost of $340. (laughs) 
my god. Uh, we don't have a release date set yet. The two-hour Smallville series finale airs uh, two weeks from now. So, everybody look forward to that. It doesn't say if it's going to be released on Blu-ray. I'm a fan. Will I be buying this? Not right away. I ain't got $340 to spend and 192 hours to commit to it. So... <laughs> The uh, the Mega Man number one trailer, uh, which is the issue, the new series coming out from Archie Comics. Uh, they released a new trailer. It's animated. It's cool. It's got trendy music from uh, any Mega Man fan can dig it. I'm a huge Mega Man fan. If there is one video game that I want to play until the day I die and I wear diapers, it, it is Mega Man. I will play any Mega Man game. That's 16 bits. I don't like the new fucking if it. I'm sorry, less 8 bits, I meant to say. If it's more than 8 bits, I don't fucking want to play it. But if it's 8 bits or less, I want to play that Mega Man. 8 bits or less, I mean just 8 bits. There have only been... The only Mega Man game I want to play is if it's 8 bits. That's what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Regardless, Mega Man number 1 comes out next week from Archie Comics. Right, it's written by Ian Flynn, and the art is by Patrick Spaz Beziante. Or however the hell you say his name. Comes out May 11th, next Wednesday. Uh, pick it up. Seriously, Mega Man is amazing. We have the Actually, we have the video streaming right now on our homepage of ComicTech.net, and you can watch the trailer. Scott Snyder it's kinda corny, is ending his but, you know, on Detective Comics at... It's Mega Man. What is it? 681? 881. Uh, it's always, it always his idea to be a 10-12 to 12 issue uh, limited story. Uh, Andy and I have debated over whether or not... His run is one of the best things that has happened in Batman in recent times. It is. Uh, he's bringing about a whole new direction for There's no debate, it some is. characters that have been kind of standing idly by. And he brings it all to a stunning conclusion by re-releasing the Joker. We haven't seen him in a while. We don't know what's going to happen. Scott's keeping it really quiet. But given his recent work on Detective Comics, you got to kind of just sit back and think this is going to be amazing. He's getting Gates of Gotham, but it's only like a six-issue miniseries. Okay, that's cool. Oh, yeah, that's uh, right. I forgot he was getting that series. Okay. But, uh, Okay, three more words. That fucking sucks. Scott Snyder should be writing an ongoing Batman book. Come on. This is like Detective Comics is the best it's been. It's, the name fits the book for yeah. once. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, and I know Aaron White, our journalist uh, on Comic Tech. He also he's he's in love with Scott Snyder. He actually had 14? a letter published in the most recent issue of American Vampire. What issue came out last week? Was it fourteen? Fourteen. Yeah, Aaron White's got a letter there. Um, awesome. But yeah, I mean, Aaron. I mean, he speaks very highly of Scott and. Uh, our comics review podcast, which is Tales from the Water Cooler, which you should download. Uh, but yeah, man, Scott Snyder, dude, one of how is this guy not getting more yeah. recognition? I don't get it. He's ama- his stuff is amazing, amazing. And it, here's another guy. Here's another guy. We mentioned Jeff Johns. What in- indie work has he created? Nothing really that's been successful. Here's fucking Scott Snyder, American Vampire, amazing phenomenal. Batman, right? And he's writing also phenomenal Batman run. Right? Case in point. Hello. Amazing Batman run. 
All right, uh, Duke Nukem is going to make it into the sequential format through IDW Publishing this July. It will be a four-issue mini, uh, Duke Nukem Glorious Bastards. Uh, it's in response to Duke Nukem Forever, which is a new video game that comes out soon. It'll be written by Tom Waltz uh, uh, with artist Zermanico. I, yeah, it's I don't know how to say that either. M A N I C O. Are we actually going to see this in comic? I mean, how yeah, long did it take so them to get the video game out? Say, All right, so yeah, let's uh, let's now segue into our manga section. We will bring on Kristen Bamba. Okay, so now let's talk with our special guest. Her name is Kristen. Kristen. Hi. Yeah. Hey, Kristen. Kristen does all of our manga, uh, or is it manga, Kristen? What is it? Manga. 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 Oh. Kristen does all of our manga uh, articles and reviews and stuff on the site. She does at least three a week. She's really impassioned about it, knows her stuff. And Kristen's going to talk to us about the Tokyo Pop situation going down in the States, as well as the Eisner nominees in the manga category. So yes. let's talk some Tokyo Pop. Kristen, tell us what's going on. Well, uh, we know that uh, Stu has recently decided to close the American publishing branch of Tokyo Pop. Um, it's going to close down officially um, at the end of May. He is keeping the German branch open and the media branch open, so they'll still be publishing uh, manga in Germany and they'll still be making movies and stuff. It's just America isn't going to get any more Tokyo Pop manga, which is really disappointing. Okay, why is that? Like, why are they closing? Just bad sales? There's, there's like, several reasons that have kind of added up to it. Um, there's the economy, for one. You know, I mean, there was a manga boom, like, in the late 90s, early 2000s, and it's kind of died down a little bit. The economy has really impacted that. There's the borders situation. We all know that borders has been having serious, serious problems. Declaring vagrancy, you know, closing down tons of stores all over the country. Um, like, wait, wait, the Mexican borders? No, <laughs> the bookstore borders. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, borders, bookstores. Sorry. Uh, you know, and they... Uh, they're a really big client for Tokyo Pop and other manga publishers, obviously, but uh, they haven't been able to pay their bills, essentially. Um, so they've been getting all this manga in and then not being able to pay for it, and it's just killing uh, the companies, and Tokyo Pop especially, because they're getting out these books, but they're just not getting the money for it, and you know, and... Earlier this year, they had already downsized a little bit. They were, I think they were down to about six official employees at the Tokyo Pup offices. And everything else has been done by uh, unpaid interns and freelancers who we are hoping will get their last payments before Tokyo Pup closes their doors. Um, so there's a lot of things that happen. Um, another thing is, is Stu Levy, and he just... I really think this guy had no business uh, running the company. He has amazing ideas, and he really helped to build the manga industry, you know, back in the 90s. But he, his focus isn't really good. Like, he likes to, he gets all these great ideas, and he gets real excited. And he's like, I'm going to start this new project. And then he doesn't really fully commit to it. And then, it, you know, it goes for a little while, and then he just kind of stops paying attention to it. And so, you know, he tends to throw money towards all these projects. And I think that really, you know, hurt the company in the end. And it's just, there's a lot of instability 
within the company with the different projects he was doing, like the like his original English long, uh, language program that he started up where he got all of these like American and Canadian, like all these uh, English writers to come and create manga. And it started out pretty strong and it really uh, was a breakthrough for a couple of specific people. I can think of uh, Svetlana. I don't remember. I can't really pronounce her last name. She did drama con was her big breakout from uh, Tokyo pop. And, uh, you know, her specifically and a couple other people. And he's, you know, it started out strong and then it just kind of stopped. I don't know if it just wasn't doing well or if he lost interest. Um, he seemed to lose interest in a lot of things pretty quickly, actually. And he has actually said specifically about Tokyo pop. He said, uh, why am I publishing books? I should be doing something else. This other thing over here is way more fun than publishing books. Why am I still doing this? You know, so, so it really, it seemed like he just kind of got tired of it, honestly. So it was just kind of like mismanagement on their end. Is what it was very like. much mismanagement from Stu, yeah. He really should not have been in charge of the whole company. He really should have like delegated more of the management stuff. Because he's an idea guy. He's not a manager, you know. And and I don't really know how much he really cares anymore. Because he's already on to his next project. You know, he's not even here. He's in Tokyo filming a documentary. And he was when he announced that Tokyo Pop was closing. So, I mean, he's not even here. So, I mean, what does that really say? So let me ask you this. What happens to the titles that are ongoing now? How do the American read how are the American readers going to be able to finish their stories? Uh, you're screwed. <laughs> you're screwed pretty much. And the same thing happened with CMX. It just stops um, unless somebody else picks it up. Um, it's not really clear right now what's going to happen to the titles who are like almost finished because there were several titles that were like one or two volumes from being complete. Uh, we're not really sure if they're going to go ahead and let that finish or not. I don't think they really come out and said. Um, really, there's just, I mean, you know, the thing with, with Stu is because Tokyo Pop as an entity is not closing, he can hold on to the rights for those things until they expire. Okay. Because he still has Tokyo Pop going and he's got his media company. So maybe he wants to turn something into a movie or something. So he can hold on to that stuff if he wants. Um, or he can let it expire. He can give it back. And it, it's really a big problem with the, with the English people, the, the original English language guys, because in their contracts, some of them didn't have the most favorable contracts. And they may not be able to get the rights back to their stuff. And it's just sitting there. And nothing's happening with it. And they want to publish it. And they can't. Kind of so reminds really, me of uh, the whole cross-gen situation that went down in the early 2000s. I don't know if you know about that. With uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a defunct comic company. Like they did, you know, series like Rue, Sigil, um, Sojourn, and now Marvel just bought the rights and they're republishing everything. So, so let me ask you this: uh, What is the general response of the American manga community, right? <laughs> manga community right now? Does anyone care or what? It has- not it was it's been pretty similar to what happened when dc shut down cmx people are really upset and there's a lot of people wondering you know why didn't you sell it why are you shutting it down instead of uh you know scaling it back or selling it to somebody you know why are you just saying oh i quit you know (laughs) especially you know nobody knows nobody really knows i mean he said you know he put out um a memo about it but it was it was very flippant, and, like, I read this thing, and it just read, like, he doesn't care anymore, you know, and 
And I think the tone, you know, a lot of people are like, you know, why are you so mad at this guy? I was like, well, read this letter, read the tone that's in this letter. And it would really upset anybody, I think. Um, so, yeah, the fans are pretty upset, obviously, because, you know, like I said, when this happens, these titles just go away unless somebody else picks them up. And right. with the state of the industry right now, you know, it's not getting very likely. And the only company I can think, the well, only two, I can, you know, Viz may pick up some of them, um, depending on the uh, Japanese publishers that had those titles. Um, Yen Press, there's a slight possibility, but there's really not anybody else that has the ability uh, to pick that stuff up. So, let's Kodansha. But Kodansha already came and took their titles back because Kodansha, that was one of the other things. Um, Kodansha has decided to publish their own books in the U.S. And so they went around and they grabbed all their licenses back. And some of those came from Tokyopop. And it's a Tokyo pop and other, you know, they lost those because now Kodansha wants to do it themselves. Um, So they'll get their stuff back, but who knows about the rest. So uh, what are kind of like your closing thoughts on this? Well, I mean, (laughs) you know, I'm kind of upset because I really don't understand. I mean, I understand the economy's bad and stuff, but really, like, why couldn't he just sell it off or do something? It just seems like he could have done something more about it. You know, I mean, for me personally, I don't really read any Tokyo Pop because I don't think much of their current titles. Um, but there were a couple coming out I was interested in, and there's like one that I was actually reading. Um, you know, they did a lot for the manga industry. You know, Sailor Moon was one of those really big breakout hits in America, and it really proved that, you know, people are going to buy manga, and not only that, girls are going to read manga. Um and they also did a lot for uh, the boys' love industry here. They started their blue line and published, you know, they had a lot of Fumi Yoshinaga books they published and a lot of the big yaoi titles they published. And those are going to be gone, too. Um, and I did want to make a quick note. Um, Digital Manga Publishing had a deal going on with Tokyo Pop where they were hosting some of the blue manga on emanga.com, which is their digital platform for reading manga. They are going to continue selling blue manga up until May 20th. And then it will go off of their selling roster. But if you buy those titles, it will remain in your reading list, which is kind of a big deal. So if you're quick and you buy those on eManga, you'll get to keep them even after Tokyo Pop shuts down. So that's good news. Cool. Um, All right. So you want to talk some Eisners? I would love to talk Eisners. Um, Let's see. First, tell us about, uh, what is it, 20th Century Boys is nominated oh, for Best yes. Continuing Series? Urasawa got nominated for Best Continuing Series, Best Writer, and Best U.S. Edition of International Material Asia, which is the manga category. I don't know why they just don't call it the manga category, but, you know, because that's right. what it is. Um, he's been nominated before. I know he got nominated for Pluto last year, specifically. Um but he has, is not winning, which is really disappointing because I think he's brilliant and so do a lot of other people. And I think he really should win. I, you know, just judging by the lineup, I'm not really sure. Because when you say best writer, he's up there with uh, the American writers who are obviously going to be uh, more well-known than some guy from Japan. Um, but hopefully, you know, he's been getting a lot of attention for 20th Century Boys and Pluto lately, and we really, really hope he gets something this year. It'd be really nice. <laughs> okay, so 
tell us about this book. Like, what is 20th Century Boys about for people who have no idea? 20, it's a little difficult to really explain. 20th Century Boys is about um, this group of kids led by a, a boy named Kinji who grew up together. They were best friends. They played together in this little fort they made. They wrote a book called The Book of Prophecy, I think is what they call it. Um, there was a sort of outsider kid who wanted to be friends with him, but was just kind of like shut out from the group and he wasn't real happy about it. So he wrote his own book of prophecy called the new book of prophecy. Well, what happened, you know, these kids grow up. Um, and it's like 2000 and uh, I think it's like 2000 or 2001. And, uh, there's this event called bloody new year's Eve where, um, this guy calling himself the friend, releases this virus onto the populace and it kills like scores of people and then uh there's like this giant robot that attacks tokyo and kinji and his friends come together and fight against him and defeat the robot and there's this explosion da, 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 and like kinji supposedly dies and uh but unfortunately the friend twists the events and he makes it so that kinji and his friends take the blame a friend is made into this hero and becomes basically like this ruler of Japan now and everybody loves and adores him. And then, you know, right now the storyline is taking place, uh, I think like 10, 15 years later with Kenji's niece and her name is Kana. And Kana has decided that, you know, in Kenji's memory, basically, I'm going to fight against friend. And so she, but you know, there's all this governmental stuff, you know, I mean, the government is like super powerful and they're brainwashing the populace. So anybody who thinks, oh, friend is this bad guy goes to what they call friendland and goes through this virtual reality thing. And they're totally brainwashed into thinking that friend is the best thing ever. So that's pretty much what, what that's about. And they're just trying to uh, beat him and stop another catastrophe from taking place right now in the story. Uh, they're about to release another virus, which is going to destroy, I think, like two-thirds of the population of the world. And so they're trying to stop that right now. And they're trying to find Kana's mother, because apparently she has some idea what's going on. And, like, there's all just... It's just... It's really good. And Urasawa is a very good writer. And he just really weaves together everything that's going on in this book really really well and it keeps the suspense up and every volume is just this heart pounding volume like you don't know what's going to happen next and i personally i i love the heck out of it so, so in a sentence tell me why someone who doesn't read manga should read this because it's fucking awesome then <laughs> that's the only reason you need um i think for people who just read comics i think it would actually be easy to read 20th century boys because it's not full of magical girls and cute little moe high school girls. you know it's closer to what american comics are than the majority of popular manga really is i think so it'd be easy to make that crossover um i also think it's a lot better than most of the stuff on the shelves from the big companies you know so i really think it's worth taking a look at okay so uh Tell us about the other manga nominees. Well, let's really see. We got best, yeah, best <laughs> continuing series is, of course, 20th Century Boys. Uh, Korea, as viewed by 12 creators, uh, is up for best anthology. This is a book written by 12 Korean creators, um, just basically talking about like Korean history and culture and stuff like that. 
best adaptation from another work is Seven Billion Needles from Vertical Inc. Adapted uh, from How Clements Needle by Nobuwaki Tadano. I don't know a whole lot about it, but I've heard really good things. And it's gotten some really good praise in the blogging circle, um, as most things from Vertical do. Then, of course, we have Best U.S. Edition of Internet Traditional Asia, let's just say manga category. Um, that has Ayako by Asamu Tezuka, Bunny Drop by Yumi Unita, A Drunken Dream and Other Stories by Motu Hagio, House of Five Leaves by Natsumi Ono, and 20th Century Boys. And anybody who uh, reads my column knows that I love 20th Century Boys, House of Five Leaves, and I really loved Ayako. Um... Personally, so which one should win? Just, you know, I don't know. It's it's such a tough category because these are all amazing works. Um, Motu Hajio has been getting a lot of attention, so I think she's going to be well known right now. She's basically like the grandmother of modern shoujo. Um, she's you know this book got a lot of attention because it had some pretty controversial stuff in it as well. So her name's out there, but also uh, Natsumi Ono has been making appearances in North America. She was at um, a Toronto convention, I think this weekend maybe, and then she had an appearance in New York. Um, so her name is kind of floating around, and she's got several titles out. She's got House of Five Lees, uh, Hinte out right now, um, which is the Ristorante Paradiso series. Um, so her name is kind of going around. So just as far as name recognition, the two of them, I think, Bunny Drop has gotten a lot of praise, but I don't think a lot of people really know about it. And of course, Ayako is Tezuka, and uh, you know it's, it was a brilliant story, but Vertical's treatment of it was a little off. The translation is really difficult to read. Um, and then, of course, 20th Century Boys. So I really don't know who should win. I love the three that I love. You know, I couldn't choose between them, really. So I really have no idea on this one. It's, it's going to be really tough. Kristen, that was an awesome breakdown. I think that's more manga that, that I'll hear about like for the rest of the year. <laughs> well, hey, Kristen, thanks for coming on. No problem. I'd love to come back again. All right. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> All right. Bye. Oh, and also be sure to check out Kristen's manga column, Bento Beko Weekly. Yes. Friday, I will be reviewing a Mild Juvenile Remix and more Kingyo used books. So. And you can also read my reviews of Ayako and 20 Sister Boys and House of Five Leaves at Comic Attack. Okay, so that wraps up this episode of the Comics Dispatch. Be sure to check in next week as we speak with artist J.K. Woodward, who is one of our great friends here at ComicAttack.net. Awesome dude. Does the series Fallen Angel. He also has hosted a contest with us here on the site, giving away free artwork. Um, so tune back in as we talk to him. Uh, also, send your emails to... Daniel at ComicAttack.net. And Andy at ComicAttack.net. Um, check out our other podcasts, our comic review show, Tales from the Water Cooler, as well as Deep Discussions with Decapitated Dan, which is our interview show where Dan will interview, you know, creators in the biz. Also, if you're going to see Thor this weekend, please buy your ticket through our ad on the site. It helps us out. We're also going to have ads for X-Men and Cap and all the other cool movies this year. So, What about Conan? Let's get some Conan out there. Yeah, Conan. Dude, Conan's good right now. It is good. So yeah, check us out. ComicAttack.net.